Well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Bear Necessities podcast. Got Zach with me once again this week. Looks like you're out there in sunny uh, Pasadena, California, out there at USC. How's how's it going out there? Looks nice. Uh, the weather's been all right. It's been cooling off a little bit, but uh, school's ramping up. Uh, although half my classes are online, so we'll see how long this lasts. Okay. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's like a percentage rate or something that they're looking at if it goes above it or something like that, right? Yeah, I certainly hope we stay in person, but, uh, you know, uh, hoping for the best, planning for the worst. That sounds familiar. Yeah, absolutely. I know uh, my last semester I had to deal with that, the full online, and wasn't the most enjoyable uh, experience, but maybe something that was similar and unenjoyable experience was this last Bills game, which, you know, I'm having a good week. That doesn't really matter. No one cares about that. I want to get into this Bills game that we watched. It was a little bit of a thrashing. That's an understatement. Yeah, more so than a little bit. What were your main things that stuck out at you? How are you feeling? Probably not ecstatic. You know, let's get into it. Uh, Well, yeah, first of all, the final score was a bit uh, alarming. Uh, I definitely came into this game hoping that Mitch Trubisky would uh, show us show us that he's still capable of starting or at least being a serviceable backup. And I, to his credit, he certainly did that. We definitely were not missing out on the Mitch Trubisky, Money Mitch show. Uh, I thought that he played really, really well. That was one of the first observations I had, albeit, um, as Austin pointed out to me when we were rewatching highlights together, it looks very much like typical Trubisky making these kind of uh, short range crossing throws, you know, you know, throws to crossing routes and a lot of completions, but not a lot of yards per attempt. Uh, So it doesn't look like he's necessarily developed in that regard, but he was definitely slinging it with confidence, which is something I feel like was a little bit uh, of touch and go with Trubisky in terms of his confidence. You know, sometimes he'd, he'd look like, man, that, that guy could be the future of a franchise. And other weeks you'd go, this, this guy looks like a child. I mean, he's like a kid playing with a bunch of grown men. And I thought that at the very least he played with confidence and looked like he was in total control of the offense. And so he was, he was moving the sticks. And I mean, that's, that's all that matters, especially when you're putting up 40 plus, plus points. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, I, there's so much to go through there. But I, my number one takeaway with Trubisky is I felt pretty confident that's how he was going to perform. I mean, this is a Bills team that, you know, Josh Allen I think is a very good quarterback, but it's not the most rigorous offense out there. And and my number one and, and main takeaway, and I think a lot of Bears fans felt this way too, by no means do I really feel like we need Mitchell Trubisky back. But I think what it really does show is that, Nagy was just stubborn like he Nagy did not want to play this offense when Mitchell Trubisky was here and and we know that about Matt Nagy as a coach that he does not you know change his ways it's going to be his way and he's going to build his staff around it so he can run his offense and, and run his team the way he likes and that was my number one takeaway from how Mitch played I think overall he came out there he was confident in the system that he was playing in because it's not it wasn't asking too much of him like you said a lot of it was simple crossing routes but you know, when we look at it, it got the job done against our defense, which overall I was a little bit appalled about how they played. I mean, I know we don't have our, our super big name players out there, but we, we still had have, Khalil Mack out there, man. Come on now. I mean, there was 
not every single starter on the field at once, but I was going to say Jalen Johnson was out there in the secondary. You know, he wasn't throwing to chump corners. That was our potential one and two cornerback pairing with Kendall Vildor and Jalen Johnson. He got to face a lot of it. And I think my main trend that I've witnessed with this defense in weeks, you know, one through two in this preseason is the pass rushes is, is gone. It picked up a little bit, um, you know, towards the second quarter, but you know, for the most part, we haven't seen them get excellent penetration consistently like this defense needs. And that's an automatic red flag that's just popped up me, popped up to me from the jump. I mean, you know, for, for all the hype about this takeaway bucket uh, during training camps and, and preseason, what happened? I mean, just what happened? What, what a complete collapse. And I know a lot of people are excited about our new defensive coordinator, Sean Desai, and, and thinking that we're going to bring back sort of a Vic Fangio look. This is not how Vic Fangio's defense looked, you know. We had uh, that was a twelve and four season. We had th- this. This was alarming. Uh, everyone, I think, came into this understanding that we had a porous at best offensive line, but our, our defensive line, our defensive backs, our cornerbacks, everybody, everyone got shredded. Uh, it, it was it was concerning to me. Uh, oh, yeah. we're, we're, we stake our you know our claim on our defense and. It, they did not show up. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky just scored 41. I mean, I guess he didn't score all of it, but it, damn. It was, I think he was on the field for about 31 points of it, at least, because I think they kicked yeah. that field goal towards the end of the half. And, um, I, yeah, I, I think that basically at every level there's really a need for improvement. I think what we haven't really quite seen tested so much as these linebackers in the front seven in the run game. That's because they've been giving up so much in the passing game that teams don't have to run the ball. So it's almost like a weird reverse psychology thing. It's like, oh, this defense needs to force teams to put it on the ground. And usually you don't want, you know, offenses to have that balance, but they are just getting torn up in in the passing game. And I'm not 100% certain where it lies if it's, you know, real coverage problems. It seems to me a lot of times that the DBs had decent coverage in a lot of situations, but I think it really is the fact that, most of the time, Mitch had so much time back there in the pocket and at least had the mobility to get around that, you know, when he extended the duration of the play, these cornerbacks, you know, safeties could not hang on in their coverage. And, you know, to some point, it's not their fault, but it's just a, a bad imbalance that this defense is showing early on in the preseason. And, and like you said, I don't think we're going to see the Vic Fangio caliber defense right from the jump. You know, it's only fair to give Desai a little bit of time to acclimate. Um, really get to push his philosophy with this team but you know I think we were certainly expecting a jump you know Chuck Pagano was a a letdown I believe in the years that he was coordinator this this defense took steps back and right now it doesn't quite look like they were covering no we were our run defense was porous and uh I mean every every running back except for Reggie uh Gilliam on the on the bills averaged over four yards at uh Per carry so yep. i mean that's that's unacceptable at, 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 at any level i mean even in high school you can't you can't be letting you know running backs just run straight through you right up the gut um yeah you know mitch mitch when you look at his numbers they don't quite look as stunning as he kind of seemed on the field 20 for 28 he threw for 221 yards and one touchdown zero picks you know i think a lot of people would look at that and go well yeah that, you know who gives a shit about that he he put on a little bit of a passing clinic on us. Uh, our defense looked like we, no one could stop him. I mean, no one could stop these little crossing routes from chipping away and just 
combined with the run game, it was it was discouraging. You can't give them that. It's too it's too easy. And I think my main thing with Mitch is the the offense just ran well. He was running the offense. He was managing that whole half. He had that whole game in his control. You know, the offense, the offense for the Bears with Dalton under center was not staying on the field. It started off rough. You know, it was for really the first, what, he played a half? Or no, he played a quarter in the first game. So for about, you know, a quarter and a half of play, he hadn't gotten a first down until he finally got one. And then Mitch was going out there on the field, and when he wasn't throwing, you know, nice, efficient, pretty short passes, which we know is right in his wheelhouse, then he was just controlling the field. The game was playing at the speed that he wanted to be. He was comfortable with the way that the offense was going, with the, the pace that the game was moving. And, you know, kind of just bounce off our last point, it's because the defense gave him that. At some point, I think that this defense is just being too conservative. We can't let you can't let a team do this to you because any team c- can run this offense against you. They can dink and dunk you down the field all game long if you give it to them. If you refuse to take the chance of bringing pressure or bringing the coverage up a little bit, they're just going to get this is going to happen routinely every game. I think that's a great point. I think that, uh, you know, no knock on Trubisky here, but any team can run this sort of offense. I mean, just yeah. exactly as you said, it, it, it doesn't take superstar talent to do so. So if we're getting the blueprints on how to beat the, you know, the Bears, just watch this preseason game. Yeah. So I guess moving over to the other side of the ball, which has really been the main focus a lot of preseason. Obviously, we need to be concerned about some other things that are going on in the field. But it's very much been the Dalton versus Fields show. The fans are getting behind it. You know, we're watching the game and, you know, you're hearing the put put the fields in chance. They're booing Dalton when he's going out there in the second quarter and keeps taking more and more snaps. And I think everyone's scratching their head saying, man, when is Dalton coming out of this game? So Dalton didn't look great. He made his best pass all his whole playing time in that game was the pass to Rodney Adams, where even it seemed like it was just a touch under underthrown from on Nick Pickett. But that was a good throw. Gets the, the big touchdown there. But everything else seemed completely out of sync. I don't know how you felt about it, Zach, but it, it wasn't the most encouraging sign from Dalton. Look, I know I'm I'm starting to become like the I'm starting to become like the Andy Dalton, you know, uh, fanboy. Start the fanboy. Fan I know yeah. I got a fan club going over here, <laughs> but look, that's not how I saw it. Um, I talked about our first week together that I thought that the offensive line looked dangerously thin, and that uh, I didn't even really want to see Fields in there until we could ensure him some protection. And so I went and I rewatched that that preseason game, and I think. Again, just looking at the numbers, just looking at the highlights, it's hard to see how Andy Dalton looked even serviceable, right? Or, you know, uh, uh, any bit better than than Justin Fields. And, and again, yeah. I don't think he is. I think long-term, Fields is 100% the guy. He's every bit of the star uh, that we're, we hope he will be someday. But let me just let me just break break down the first uh, four series that, that Andy Dalton came out for, okay? So right away... We got to a third down. We had our first series at the 30-yard line. Uh, we went. Th- uh, we were at third and five, right? Yep. The offensive line completely collapses. Andy Dalton actually moved around decently, right? He's no. He's no. Um, uh, uh, Mike Glennon. We're not. We're not just looking at a guy who, the moment the pocket collapses, he's he's folded in half like a launcher. No, he he moved around, and in fact, he threw the ball away and avoided a sack. Of course, 
it didn't land with any receiver. It wasn't an accurate throw, but it was a throwaway. And right. I think that that's in and of itself a little bit telling of his IQ. Um, second series out there, okay? Right away, we get to another third down. It's third and nine. The, the offensive line once again fails. Dalton gets pushed back, but he steps up into the pocket again, displaying some level of IQ that I think we haven't had in even like Nick Foles, even any of these backup quarterbacks we've had. Just they don't ugh, our, our recent history has been horrible. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, I thought that was actually encouraging as weird as that sounds. He stepped up into the pocket. He was confident and he connected with James who fell short just just short of the first uh, first down. So had James made a little bit of a move there, you know, a one cut, like, who knows, right? Things could have gone different. But the coverage was great. He got tackled right away. Third series, uh, he moves the ball a little bit. We get to a first and 15. I think that was right after a false start penalty on somebody else. Again, not Dalton's fault, right? With first and 15 is is a tougher starting position. Blitz comes, but Andy Dalton felt the, the pressure. He resists it, and he finds Ridley for a 12-yard gain. He, uh, he, he hit him square in the chest, right? Uh, and while he made that throw, he was he was slammed, dude. Andy Dalton got leveled making that completion. That was yeah. his third series. I mean, offensive line's giving him no protection. The very next play, Damian Williams fumbles the ball, gives it right over. The only the, the only time we see Dalton actually make a connection on the fourth series, uh, second and ten, the pocket collapsed uh, in three seconds for a sack. I mean, Dalton went out there and got crushed on every single series. The offensive line continually collapsed. He was avoiding sacks. He was taking sacks and still managed to find a way to like not throw an interception or not, you know, uh, not just get pummeled on every single play. He was, he was stepping up in the pocket when he needed to. He was falling back when he needed to. I think the rest of the team is failing him. Honestly, I, I, I don't mean to, to say Andy Dalton is, you know, the a future hall of famer here or nothing, but, but this is bigger than just Dalton sucks. Yeah, at face value, right, there's more to it. It's not all just surface level. It doesn't all fall on his hands. The offensive line, like you said, is, is bad, bad, bad. But can we put all of the blame on offense on just that alone? Like, can we purely say this offense is completely out of whack, completely out of tempo because the offensive line is playing so bad? I, a fair question I'm asking to you, like, do you think we can solely put the blame on offensive line? Because if not, I think a little bit has to go at least on Dalton, right? Well, I think I think that this actually opens up kind of a, a wider analysis of our offense, which you just mentioned. No, it's not just our, our offensive line. When Fields took took uh, when Fields took the field, that's going to get some take yeah, some getting used to tongue twister, right? When Fields took the field, uh, I believe that there were five drops in that game where he he hit the yep. receiver square in the hands and they dropped. So, no, it is not just the offensive line. It's everybody. It's our whole offense at every level, our wide receivers. Maybe the only room that I feel confident in right now is our tight ends. I think our tight ends look super, super duper great. Cole Komet's obviously coming along great. Uh, uh, I like this Jesse James guy. I think I think that might be the only uh, room I'm not super freaked out about. Uh, everywhere else, yeah, wide receivers – there's no depth behind uh, Allen Robinson. Darnell Mooney's great, and I think he's going to be a stud one of these days. But he's he's a he's kind of a weird number two. I mean, he's in his sophomore season, and and we're expecting him to to pull a huge offensive workload. Um, yeah, no, I think I think we are looking at a very very defective and uh, poorly put together offense, and I think 
Andy Dalton is going to be taking 99% of the blame for it. Uh, but, but I, I think it's a bigger problem than Dalton. I think you throw fields in there and you're going to see a lot of the same issues. Yeah, I think you would see, you'd see definitely some of the same issues. I think that it's just the one thing that's really concerning to me is it feels like our whole pitch about Dalton, right? The reason why, you know, the coaching staff has kind of been behind Dalton and saying he's going to be a starter for sure has been, there's this great experience. You know, he's picked up the offense so well, everything kind of along those lines. And it's just like, I just don't see it. Like what you say about his experience level in, in the pocket and his decision-making, you know, overall it is fairly, fairly good. Like the interception he threw, not completely his fault. I mean, he kind of threw it into like what would be like a soft, you know, triple coverage almost. Like there was, there was people around there, but it probably shouldn't have ended the way that it did. But still, it happens. But overall, most of the time, he's stepping in the pocket, like you said. He's throwing the ball away when he needs to, which is just intelligent quarterback play. He's living to fight another down, trying not to get the team in any bad situations. But man, the fact that it's a three and out every series, I think it goes a little bit on on Dalton, and I think people have listened to this podcast for a long time. I've never been a fan of the way that this system has ever called plays, whether it's Laser or Nagy. I feel like they're cadence sometimes in play calling, and I don't know how much voice Dalton has in this or, you know, with someone with his experience, he's allowed to make whatever checks at the line that he wants. But it's like, why are we constantly seeing that? Like three and outs like that, it just expedites the problem with the defense as well. If we're going to, you know, constantly be off the field in such short durations we're gonna walk this defense back out there and you know for example like the bills that they're just gonna dink it and dunk it down the field and the defense is just slowly gonna be getting more tired and the offense is gonna be sitting on the sidelines trying to figure out you know how do we make this work well see maybe we should take some uh some tips from the bills i mean <laughs> i know i'm yeah. one to jump in and out of using stats here but uh fields through 47 percent in that game. Okay. And Andy Dalton threw 65% completion percentage, I should say, you know, dinking and dunking might be how we, we get through this season. I think that's a lot of, that's the way that a lot of mediocre offensive teams play is, is that but the thing is it's not explosive. It's not exciting and fun to watch. Andy Dalton is not fun to watch. Justin Fields is fun. He's exciting. He's looking to make big plays. He makes plays with his legs. But is that what we need right this second? You know, and, and I mean, I, that's a weird question because yes, we do need that. But he's he's not he's not ready to take on that kind of a role, especially behind this shitty, terrible offensive line, which is going to get him hurt in the first season. That's my, that's just been my greatest fear this whole time. I just don't want to see this kid go out there, try and make too many big plays. I mean, okay, can we just talk about the hit he did take? He took a massive hit in that game. Uh, that scared the, the hell out of me. I think it scared the hell out of a lot of Bears fans. His helmet <laughs> came off. I mean, dude, I was... A lot was, of people took great humor in it. I'm sure. NFL finally caught up to him. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like a welcome to the NFL moment, but yeah. but I, you know, that's my guy and that's like that's the future of our franchise and and he's he's trying to do a lot and part of that unfortunately is what rookies do is that they they try and make big plays, they stand in the pocket too long and they get themselves hurt. Uh I just I don't want to see something happen uh like it did in, in Cincinnati, you know, um with with Burrow. 
I, I want to see Fields play every year, and I don't want to see him break his knee in half trying to, trying to save this franchise, which clearly we're, we're not going to the Super Bowl this year. So this should be a developmental year. Any year where you're not a, you know, a, a Super Bowl threat is a, is a developmental year. It's a, it's a rebuilding kind of a year, and that's what we're in the midst of. And Andy Dalton should be out there taking those hits or at, at the very least using his veteran IQ to avoid taking those hits. So, Yeah, yeah, a lot to unpack there, but I think we should kind of break it down piece by piece. So one thing that I want to put out there, because, you know, we said this both on camera or on recording and off recording. Neither of us think that this Bears team is a Super Bowl contending team. You know, I think we may have mentioned on our prior podcast, you know, eight, nine wins seems to be probably relatively where this team is going to end up. Um, so we'll see how how the season plays out. But ultimately, right. It, we don't need to necessarily have fields out there. We're not playing to win it all this year. At least we don't think we are right now. Going back to what you said about dinking and dunking down the field, I, I think they do need to incorporate some of that. But I, I, I want to get into Andy Dalton here. And I don't know why we didn't test the field downfield. I mean, the one time we went down the field to throw it, it, it worked out great. He picked, it, First off, it was the right play call in the right moment. I mean, they had the coverage that they wanted. Uh, I could be totally wrong there, but it looked like they basically had the corner playing there on a deep third, threw the ball over him, the receiver got behind uh, the coverage, and ended up taking it to the house. Dalton is someone that you can trust to throw the ball downfield. Now, the big caveat to all this is, is the offense ever, offensive line ever going to give him enough time to do that? But, you know, overall, based on what we've seen Dalton play, are we just... I don't know. Are we not calling the right set of plays for him? I feel like there's a little bit of, no matter how bad that he looked, you know, Andy Dalton, we know is, I think he's a really good gauge for about average or mediocre quarterback in the NFL. To be completely fair and be completely plain and honest, no, no slight to him, but I think that's kind of where he's come to in his career. He's had a couple Pro Bowl seasons, but he's not a fantastic quarterback. He's not a top tier quarterback. You know, when we get the offensive line back. I guess it's a huge hypothetical, but if we ever get some kind of, you know, offensive line protection from him, are we going to still see the same kind of like Melba Toast offense? I, I feel like there's untapped potential with Dalton, you know, barring what's going on with the offensive line. Well, I think t- two things. One of them you actually mentioned, which was that, and a reason why I brought up, uh, I think it was on the the third or the fourth series. It was the fourth series with with Andy Dalton out here. He was sacked in three seconds. Now, I know that the average throwing, you know, is like two point something or, or for yeah. an elite quarterback. It doesn't matter, man. If you're only given three seconds before a 300 pound lineman is slamming into you, that's not enough time for a deep ball. Your receivers can't even get downfield at that point, uh, let alone if you're doing something like a play action, right, where it takes a little bit more time to develop. So right right off the bat, I think we haven't been seeing the deep ball from Dalton in particular because he he's got no time. The offensive line is completely failing him and he's he's basically throwing for his life. Uh, additionally, you know, I think it is worth noting for both quarterbacks that, uh, you know, A-Rob, Mooney, uh, some of our starting running backs, they're, they're not out there on the field, right? They're, they're at very least taking very limited uh, starting reps. So yeah. we don't have our deep threats out on the field. So a lot of this is, I believe, more for the purpose of developing that offensive line chemistry 
looking for the checkdowns, developing that sort of uh, going through your progressions and, and going through your reads and trying trying to come up with kind of the smarter plays because those deep plays are they can be designed, but a lot of a lot of times I think the great quarterbacks see them intuitively. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, they kind of they sort of extend plays. Receivers kind of create their own routes at that point, and then they look for and they find them they, they find them deep. That's why uh, you know. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was looking for for Adams to come back. He wanted, you know, he wanted his number one. So, I I think that those two reasons combined are why we're not really seeing that deep ball develop. But uh, I don't think I don't think that that's going to be necessarily a trend that continues in the regular season. I do think we're going to be seeing the the field open open up quite a bit. Are, are you overall confident with with Dalton at quarterback? Because I think I have my moments. Like I said, I trust them with the deep ball. I don't think a lot of my issues are relatively with how Andy Dalton plays. And I, I don't think Nagy even even realizes it. I mean, he went out and made the statements that the starting QB will be the best QB for the Bears. With that being said, and I don't want to burn the, the fields topic before I get too soon, but it's hard to talk about Dalton and not talk about fields and vice versa. Mm-hmm. I would honestly feel if you were talking about the best quarterback right now for the Bears, it would be Justin Fields because right now the best quarterback is the one that can escape that offensive line, and escape that pocket. The reason why Fields has been looking, you know, better, I think, you know, this past game had maybe a couple more struggles. It was a little bit tougher on that Bills defense. I mean, the Bears were were getting physically pushed on both sides of the ball by this Bills team. It wasn't. It wasn't even close on that, right? But I think if we're going to go out and make that statement like Nagy does, then Fields is out there because he's more mobile. He's able to get outside the pocket. And on these third and five situations, these third and longer situations, he almost always seems to get a conversion because when the pressure is onto him within two and a half seconds, he's able to make some kind of move. Now, eventually, sometimes he gets caught out. Um, You know, he kind of got... (laughs) popped it wasn't even on his blind side but just didn't get any kind of protection at all took the huge hit knocked his helmet off there wasn't anything he could quite do about that he could be anyone in the world and he wasn't going to escape that situation but overall i don't think Nagy can quite make that statement and, and this has always been one of my main problems with Nagy. is just i feel like he's always making statements where he's saying them but his his actions do not match what he's actually saying uh yeah i think i think that that statement it, it it requires a little bit more context, right? What's best for the Bears? Well, when? Right this exact second? Next year? Yeah, the year exactly. after that? Because players point. aren't around just today and tomorrow. They're around for years. We sign rookie contracts for four. First-round contracts are, are basically five-year contracts, right, with a, with a team option. Yeah. So what's best for the Bears right now? You could make the argument is Justin Fields. If you're only concerned about this year, which is sort of my argument to many Bears fans that say, put Fields out there, put field, put him in a preseason game, start him, play them four quarters. Why? <laughs> Why? What yeah. are you What are you trying to, to do? You're just trying to enjoy, which I, I'm not blaming fans. I mean, everybody's going to want, you know, excitement. I get that. It's, it's not a, a fun or exciting opinion to say, wait another year. No, I know. It sucks. This year is probably going to be mediocre. But th- th- this is the reality we have. Our offensive line is broken. Our receiver, our receiving core is shaky. We don't know if A-Rob's coming back. This is going to be a developmental year. What's best for the Bears 
long term is to sit fields and let him develop while Andy Dalton gets murdered and then Nick Foles potentially gets murdered by other teams. Uh, there's there's no reason to send a rookie quarterback out there unless we think he is the second coming of Jesus and he's going to take us to the Super Bowl because what other what, what else are we fighting for right what is the point of this this sport if we're not trying to you know compete for championships or developing that's it it's just you're either in the top four teams or you are developing because if you are you know the the sixth seed or why you're not you're not in the race for a Super Bowl spot so and that doesn't mean if you're if you're a developing team never play any of your good players never play the starters no but a quarterback in particular is a very vulnerable position. There are entire uh, positions dedicated to trying to hurt you, essentially. Uh, right? Linebacker Khalil Mack we brought in to just murder other quarterbacks. Uh, he is, he's a menace to other teams. The, Aaron Donald, I do not want Justin Fields standing across from Aaron Donald right now. I would, I would shit myself watching that game. Every play, I would be closing my eyes and crossing my fingers, hoping to God he stays healthy. So when I, I agree with you in, in, in regards to Nagy, I think Nagy says a lot of, how do I say this? Like empty comments. He has a lot of empty comments. Much yeah. of what he would say about Trubisky was just, it was meaningless after a while. You know, I have all the confidence in the world in this kid, blah, 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 blah. He, he's a lot of a team building kind of a guy, chemistry guy. Um, in terms of X's and O's, you know, he's apparently kind of an offensive guru. We have yet to really see that translate onto the field. But again, I sort of blame Trubisky's confidence for that, right? We never got to that 202 offense. But uh, I, I, I just think, I just think when you when you ask yourself the question, what's what's best for the Bears right now? Who's best for the Bears? You have to you have to include the context of time. Over what duration are we talking? That's a very fair point because I can't necessarily come out here and say that, you know, what's best for this Bears team because we're, we got to keep a long-term perspective with this team. This year isn't quite their contending year. It's a retooling kind of year, restructuring kind of year. I know we don't really quite want to throw out the term rebuild. It's, so, not, it's not quite rebuild. I mean, you're right. It's retooling, restructuring. It's I like to keep calling it developmental. You know, it's right. not it's not a full ground up rebuild. We got our guy. We're trying to now just make sure he's ready because we have it. We have a team with lots of pieces around him. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that, it's true. And, you know, I, I, it's it's tough to really kind of get a grip on this whole situation because, like you said, on the entertainment perspective, we really would want to see fields out there. He's clearly the more entertaining quarterback. You know what? What ends up happening, I guess it's almost kind of a win-win, I guess, you know, with the ultimate loss being that Fields gets hurt and potentially a career ending or altering injury. You get Fields out there to start with, great, we get to watch him play, but then, you know, if he ends up taking a bad knock like he did, you know, there's only, only so many of those. You never know when the de- – he could take, you know, 20 more of those in his career and end up being fine, or it could be the next one where he's not getting up the same way. So it, it's tough to tell, and you don't want to be, you know – at some point you got to take all the all the protection, all, all take off all the bubble wrap, 
and you're going to have to let him play and, and stand up behind the offensive line. But it does seem a fair bit pointless, you know, when it, it just doesn't seem practical that the Bears are actually making a real push for it this year. I, and I know that that goes against probably how a lot of fans are feeling. I know there's quite a few fans that feel like this year could be very good for the team. But uh, you also got to look around the league, and I think there's a fair amount of teams that even what the Bears have right now, like you said, Zach, they got a lot of weapons out there. Have you been, we haven't seen A-Rob or Mooney or, you know, Montgomery being on the field that much or at all. But even with all that being said, and even if Fields comes out there and breaks all the rookie records, like he probably has the capability to, is this still a team that can stand toe-to-toe with, you know, the top four teams in the league? And I think that answer is no. So with that being said, you end up kind of just getting back to that same odd crossroads. That's just why this Bears team is just very much in a quandary. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a tough team to figure out. Um, I think for a lot of Bears fans, they they just witnessed us pop in and out of a win-now mode. And I don't think everyone understands that the win-now mode is over. Yeah. And d- especially, you know, when we have we have signings like like Jason Peters coming in, and you kind of go, oh, well, they're trying to – this is like an insurance policy for, for either quarterback. I, you know, Nagy and, and Pace don't want to see either of these guys get mauled. And I think at some point, Fields comes out. I don't I don't think we go the whole season with Andy Dalton. There's definitely a chance, and, and I think it's more likely if we essentially see a team that goes 0-6. Um, at that point, you know, basically – send fields out there and just say well i say that with an asterisk because if if the reasoning is because andy dalton has two broken femurs then maybe we send nick Foles out there but if it, if it looks like andy dalton could be playing better he's his age is starting to show we start getting some of our 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 offensive linemen back then i could see fields hopping out there in week six or seven i think there's even an over under right now that has him at like game five uh, I think it's like 4.5 or something pretty like that. pretty fair line. I, I feel like 5 through 7 are kind of like game on right there, you know. If there's going to be a window where it happens, it's very possibly there. Yeah. It's curious, though, because it, it, the the what causes our record to be what it is is going to determine, I think, whether Nick Foles actually turns into our QB2 or whether we do see field top out there because I, I don't – think it makes logical sense for for us to be sending fields into a suicide mission just for the sake of publicity or something you know it, it if we're if we're already out of the playoff race by a long shot and Andy Dalton has you know three back surgeries by week six I don't see the reason we send field out fields out there I think I think kind of situation playing out here would be like a 0 oh, and 5, 0 oh, and 6, 1 and 5, you know, 2 and 5 kind of situation, you know, right there mm-hmm. when they're really basically, like you said, out of it. And I think at that point, you know, either you keep on playing Dalton because you might as well. I, I don't think there's a reason why you put Foles in there over Dalton. Like to me, that just doesn't make sense. I don't think there's some kind of spark that they're really going to gain from Dalton. At that point, you probably just let them play. And I say the last four weeks of the season, last five weeks of the season, if you know you feel like the pieces are right, if you feel like the offensive line can at least provide some kind of protection, then you put Fields out there. I, I think it's okay, it's valid to put him out there if it's truly not going to be a great concern. 
Now, if, like, Dalton gets knocked out, the Bears are, like, 0-5. Dalton gets knocked out because the offensive line couldn't protect for him, and he takes a huge injury because of that, then maybe you throw Fields or uh, Foles out there and, and let him do some of the punching and hope things can get straightened out and maybe throw in Fields at the end. Um, ultimately, I'd like to see a little bit of playing time. You know, if he can get out there for a game or two towards the end of the season where it makes sense to – to at least stay kind of fresh. I know sometimes people get kind of concerned that people are going to kind of rot on the bench, which I don't think would necessarily happen in the fields, but, it, you know, you have to weigh the possibilities. You let him go out there and play the last couple of games if things seem seem straight and, and clear. But, you know, if it is like a, a season-ending injury that knocks out one of these two quarterbacks and it's because of a hit that they took in the pocket, man, it's going to be really tough to, to put, <laughs> put fields out there. Yeah, it'll be, a, it'll be a tough justification. I mean, I just think that, it speaks for itself. Yeah, you know, don't send your future into a suicide mission. Pretty simple. With so kind of getting off, I, I think we've been fairly negative, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think that that's fine. I think that kind of helps show the emotions of this past week and everything. But overall, and we don't have to spend too much time on this because we've talked a lot about fields. But are you? How do you feel like he's at least met your expectations in the first couple weeks of preseason? Have you been happy with what you've seen and and? Take any talk of him being the starter out of there, just purely on a, hey, this man's taking his reps. He's usually been playing with the second team or some third teamers even mixed in there and against second team defenses. But with all that context, are you happy with what you've seen so far? I mean, I, I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who's not. Yeah. Uh, the kid shows so much upside, just the athleticism, the decisiveness, his calm and collected, you know, um, he just he just seems so poised in the pocket. He and and he knows when to when to run run away. The only thing I, I have as a knock against him, which I've already mentioned, is that I think he's trying to do a little bit too much. I think that unlike Andy Dalton, he doesn't quite know when to just throw the ball away and just take the take the down uh, or slide rather than trying to spin move and and trying to be a little flashy. I think a lot of that just has to do with age and immaturity, and I I know he'll easily be able to outgrow that and and be outcoached by that. Uh, so I'm not at all concerned about those things. Uh, a lot of that just has to do with his confidence, which is clearly sky high. He knows he's the dude. He knows that Chicago already loves him. I mean, he gets standing ovations every time he touches the grass. <laughs> um, he's his name is being called when Andy Dalton is still playing. So. He he he's confident and he you know he knows he's the guy but I do want to see a little bit more I want to see him hold back at certain times. I don't want to see him actually playing 100% all the time. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but I need I need to see him throw the ball away a couple of times and I need to see him take a slide and and no it's he okay slid to take pretty well this past game. He, he does, every game he's improving. I mean, yeah. even in practices, it seemed like his practices were eh, and then he just started coming out hotter and hotter. And in practice, um, people were starting to call for him to be the starter before preseason had started. So, you know, I, I think everyone and their parents can see how much potential this kid has. Yeah, and I, I, it's hard pressed to find too many issues with his game. I think, you know, maybe he's forcing things a little bit, like you said. Um, and just being conservative and calculated, like you mentioned earlier, most rookies can kind of take that step back. They tend to, you know, feel like it's a game winning play on like every play and and try to gain every inch and every yard. And well, that's admirable. (laughs) Um, 
you right. know, it's a little bit tough for us fans to watch when that's our future that's running around out there. So right. it, it's, uh, I agree with the fact that it, it's hard to not be pleased with what we've seen from fields so far. Um, and, and yeah, basically how this past game went, just a couple more things to, to go over on this podcast. There's one thing I just kind of wanted to hit on pretty briefly, and this could even be a simple yes or no, but Steve Young said that Nagy will not start Fields purely out of fear. And I, I think hmm. a lot of that had to relate to basically what we saw at Trubisky. I think that really kind of just drummed up and created this whole storyline is that he doesn't want to start Fields because, you know, he could potentially be fired if it doesn't pan out well. Do you agree with the way that, that Steve Young, do you agree with his line? Do you find some kind of value in it? or is it That's just interesting. A- I'm curious what he, I hadn't read that, that quote yet. I'm curious what he meant by fear. Did he mean fear, like we've mentioned a hundred times on this cast already, that fear of you know, injury, fear of putting him out there too early when he's making kind of risky decisions, or does he mean fear of his own job security? I think it was mainly like his own job security, media okay. pressure. If, if it doesn't work out, I don't, I don't think so. Cause I think, uh, I think if anything, his best insurance policy for his own job and Pace's job at that would be to put fields out there on day one. And, and kind of go all or nothing, right? Because Andy Dalton, look, if we go one in four or one in five with Andy Dalton, everyone's going to be calling for Nagy to be fired, which I personally think is not a great decision. I think he's developed a lot of team chemistry. I think Nagy's offense looks creative and modern. And I would That's be. A <laughs> I Here's the thing, man. We just came from John Fox's offense, okay? So, would you rather have John Fox 2.0 or Matt Nagy staying as the head coach? I, I, we don't need John Fox 2.0, but he's like a relic. I understand. You know? I understand. I'm it's just saying. Taking the extreme. <laughs> it's it's like it's like um, oh, there's a saying. I wish I knew what it was, but taking another unknown or a known, you know, mediocre coach. I, personally, I, I think talent usually beats coaching. I think uh, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady prove this. In this last season, you know, everyone heralded Belichick as a genius. He could take any. Oh, and Tom Brady's a systems quarterback. Yeah, how did that work out? <laughs> you know, how, how did that work? Fair point. I, that's what I mean. And I know coaching can stifle offenses and ruin off. And, but but it, talent always supersedes coaching, in my opinion. I just see it, it happen time and time again. And I think Tom Brady, Brady and Bill Belichick really put that argument to rest. But is it coaching or is it is it the players? And Brady went to the Bucks and won it in his first friggin' year. I mean, now he had a lot of talent around him, but come on, what what did the Patriots do this year? Right? What changed? It was just Brady. I mean, they got rid of some other talent. They got you know, they tried to dish out some contracts, but wow, was that was that a fall off from one guy leaving? Um so I, I don't know. I, I don't think uh I don't think that Nagy's holding this team back too much. I think he receives a hell of a lot of heat um for for a guy who has a winning record overall i mean coaches these days are just they're just so scrutinized i think that everyone's looking for them to just you know it's like it's like the uh, self-satisfaction or, or like relief it's just it's relieving to get rid of a coach when you've had a shitty season you just go all right well time to time to start over and i don't think it's always that easy you still have half the same players you're, you're basically the same team you just have a new guy you know 
in charge, I suppose. Um, yeah, I think his job security would be much safer if he were to play Fields right away because regardless of how Fields does, it wouldn't be really a testament to Nagy's decision-making, right? It would just be, well, Fields underperformed and he didn't lead the team to the record he could have. Whereas, you know, keeping him out kind of pisses most fans off. I am in the minority by a lot of of Bears fans who go, yeah, start Andy Dalton. Uh, I don't think... 90% 90% of Bears fans agree with me. Um, yeah, nah, you're so. definitely you're definitely in the minority. And what I'll say is I think that personally I think a little bit of it is fear. I don't think it's completely it. I think some of it is just regular logic and rationale. But, you know, Nagy, if he doesn't get this Fields thing right, like you said, a little bit is a reflection on Fields, but that will be his job. I'm not necessarily saying in one year, but in a couple of years, if he can't make this Fields thing work, that that is very much his job in Chicago. And I think Nagy could have a potential career, good career, coaching career, you know, some somewhere else. I mean, how Barkish has said it uh, on multiple occasions, he feels like you know Nagy could be a, a very good coach, one of the top coaches in the league. But there's so much that can be beautiful about like the modern day NFL offense. And I would never describe what I've seen with the Chicago Bears to be a beautiful offense. And some of that can be a little bit of a reflection on Trubisky. Some of that can be a reflection on uh, Nagy himself and, and maybe just the quarterbacks that we've had. But I think the biggest, the most beauty that I've watched with this team is when Fields has been under center. Not necessarily saying that he needs to be starting week one because of that. And I think there's definite room for improvement. So kind of as you were getting it, I think it would be in Nagy's best interest to start fields if we're looking for purely uh, job security. Because I think this Bears offense would look the best. But that's my two cents on it. I could talk all day about the whole Nagy situation. Honestly, make a whole podcast out of it. But mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll, we'll move on for the sake of you know finishing this podcast on time. We will move on. And the final thing, and time to we had a little flash of positivity there for a second. Going to wrap it back to the <laughs> offensive line. <laughs> so yeah. time to get depressed again, folks. Um, hey. It, it's it's rough here. Just to give a little summation of you know where this offensive line is at, Tevin Jenkins had a successful back surgery, more than likely out for the majority of the season. I guess if this team takes a run into the postseason, there's the kind of chance that he would return. But honestly, for his future, for that long-term perspective that Zach and I have been talking about so much, Probably doesn't make the most sense to to rush him back by any means. They signed Jason Peters, didn't pad up for the last game, but he's he's there to to fill that hole at left tackle. But of course, the big question mark with Jason Peters is, well, can he stay healthy for a whole season? And then James Daniels and Jermaine Effetti are back, so those are definite positives on that side. So what we'd be looking at for a current lineup on this offensive line would be all things right. Jason Peters, Cody Whitehair, Sam Mustafer at center, and your right guard being James Daniel and Jermaine Effetti at right tackle. A lot to be covered there. How are you feeling about it? Do you share the same perspective for Tevin Jenkins? There's really no need to rush him back. And how are you feeling about Jason Peters? I know I sound like a broken record here, but this is a developmental year. Tevin Jenkins is clearly going to be a very talented player coming out of college who's highly, highly touted. He fell into the second round simply because he had a back injury that was sort of underreported. And I think a lot of teams saw that and went, that's not good. Uh, He has all the talent. 
you know, as a first round first round pick, but he comes with with the injury tag, so or the injury discount, I should say. <laughs> uh, more evidence that this year needs to be taken slowly. Our offensive line is not going to be at full health, almost guaranteed all year, right? Unless, as you said, we make some surprise playoff run and and. Before anyone knows that we're eight and two, and we're going okay, well maybe we should start to really think about you know when will Fields come in and how can we build this line. And if that's at that the point, case, we better be looking for some offensive line help with the trade. I was just about if to say this- we should be looking trade, we should be looking free agents, whatever. And and Peters is great, but here's the thing: in January, okay, January twenty second, uh, Peters is going to turn forty years old. Forty. Wow. You know how many how many offensive line linemen have made it to forty years old? And 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 played like serviceably as a starter. I think I just read this. It was like five ever. Yeah, a very small handful. Like ever. Okay, so to expect that he's going to stay healthy for seventeen weeks? Come on, probably not. Probably not. And I and I wish him the best, and I hope the best. Trust me. But uh, planning, you know, hope for the best, plan for the worst. He's not going to probably make it sixteen weeks. Um, and we shouldn't even expect him to, which means that we are going to have a backup in there. Uh, he may be the backup, right? We might not even start him. He might be coming in to to to, to play the the second role as a you know a backup tackle. The thing is, it's it's with everybody. We got to take this year slow. Expectations are way higher than they should be. When you have someone like Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks on you know one of his last years, or I don't know if it's his last year on our on contract. It's it's hard not to go. We we need to win right now, but but it's just. I mentioned this the first podcast we did. There's never been a rookie quarterback to win a Super Bowl, um, a starting rookie quarterback, right? Yeah. It's not going to happen this year, guys. We don't have like we're not like the Chiefs or the uh, the Browns who just have like an abundance, just a crazy pool of talent where you kind of go maybe they'll do it like baker shouldn't be the guy but there he's surrounded by so many talented like unreasonably talented players that and their offensive line is really good that they they probably could do it i mean they they might be one of the top four teams in the league just you know based on talent raw talent alone we're not like that we have we have a bunch of defensive studs but they underperform like crazy ah god i'm such a pessimist they underperform like crazy in, in the do, second though. preseason game and and offense we've just never been a good offensive team uh when we went 12 and 4 it was com- it was because we were the number one defense by a lot you know um and uh and they propped us up and they they put us back out on they put our offense back out on the field way more often than they should have been and they gave us a lot of time of possession which we didn't deserve but we we had it because the defense just kept coming away with you know coming up with takeaways. So I, I'm I'm hoping that that Peters stays healthy, but I wouldn't expect it. He's going to be 40 by the time the season ends. And uh, you know how many 40 year old uh, offensive tackles can you name me? <laughs> Not off the top of my head, and you know. Going off your last point, not to deviate too far, but I think yeah. you can make a case that just about every Bears star has underperformed at least for a season or two in the current naggy era, and whether it be their fault or not. You know, sometimes yeah. you can probably put some of the blame on coaching, play calling, you know, not being in the right place or position. But man, it, it is kind of like a sickness for this team, and and for the offensive line. You know, the interior is going to play pretty well. I, I feel good with Mustafer, you know, James Daniels, and 
and Cody Whitehair, but you get to the tackles and it is very uninspiring. And those are crucial positions in today's NFL because everyone is just going to rush you off the edge like crazy. So not the best combination. It's kind of a, a rough combination when you, it's like water and oil. When you put that with a young quarterback, you have a lot of future in, in an offensive line like that. I don't think there's too much else to be said on that, right? I don't know, Zach, if you have any kind of closing thoughts on that topic or closing thoughts at all. Um, you know, we're surely looking forward to the, the third preseason game and, you know, hopefully going to see some improvement from this team. And, you know, honestly, just some more chemistry on offense, uh, a little bit more rhythm. And, and, you know, it wouldn't hurt. I know a lot of people are probably cheering almost for Dalton. To, that's another thing that I didn't really touch on too much. We don't need to go into it too deep. But there's a significant part of this Bears, you know, fan base is really rooting for Dalton to fail out too because that just means we get to see fields even quicker. But, you know, I, I almost hope that, you know, Dalton even goes out there and plays a little bit better, although we're not going to see him in this next preseason game because I'm pretty sure it's going to be fields and then Foles that's going to be getting all the snaps. So not even going to have that opportunity. Take yeah. all that and throw it away. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Fields Fields the first half and uh, Foles the second half, something like that. Yeah. So I guess the next time we'll see Andy Dalton in a, in a Bears uniform all padded up and ready to go will be week one. And crazy that we're approaching that, you know, kind of suddenly here. The, the NFL season is getting to be upon us. Very exciting stuff. And, you know, very happy to be here talking with Zach on a, on a weekly basis. And uh, if you don't got anything else, Zach, we'll just bear down it out and move on to the next one. No, man, I'm just super excited about week one. I can't wait to uh, can't wait to talk about the first real game, the first meaningful game. Uh, but yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. Absolutely, guys. Well, thank you all for listening to another episode. I promise y'all we'll get to the reviews in the next episode. And uh, until next time, guys, bear down. Bear down.